On this Monday installment of Locked On Texans, we will be joined by Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16 to get his thoughts on a preseason and, of course, who is going to survive roster cuts. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Monday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Brightco Jewelry and Watch Insurance. Brightco brings you comprehensive, fast, affordable jewelry insurance for as low as $5 per month. Check out your special offer for Locked On listeners and get covered in under two minutes at brightco.com slash locked on that's brightco.com slash locked on and that is b-r-i-t-e i'm john hickman joined by cody davis excuse me for my voice i am a little under the weather however the work don't stop neither does the houston texans and progressions uh of getting to where we're going to be come day one against the Indianapolis Colts roster cuts or, you know, around the corner. Actually, they're happening today. And, of course, we'll talk about each and every cut. However, excuse me, Cody had a very interesting conversation, and I think it's very appropriate seeing that the reason why we may get a better version of the Houston Texans this year is based off of the play of Derek Stingley, Jalen Petrie, put the running game on the shoulders of Damian Petrie, uh, the, uh, not the wide receiver, but the tight end group that may have a different conversation towards the end of the year with Tegan Contoriano. Whenever we see Christian Harris, we're going to throw him into the mix at the linebacker in the linebacker group and, and, and talk about his play whenever he's healthy enough to play in Kenyon Green. Talking about the rookies, which is something that we didn't talk about too much previously in the Bill O'Brien mm. era. Yeah, John. And look, ever since this new regime started, I've always said how different everything felt. I always talk about how different the locker room is. I always talk about how Nick Casario actually had a plan on what type of players he would be targeting during the draft, during free agency. Like, you know me, ever since they hired Lovey Smith, I've been talking a lot about the new feel around this organization. However, since training camp and after the Texans went go goes 3-0 in preseason, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to Lovey Smith. I'm listening to what the veterans have to say. Later on in the week, we're going to have an opportunity to hear what Nick Casario has to say. And everyone who talks about the talent of this team, they always talk about the rookies. And not only that, when we always ask Coach Lovey Smith about the potential starter, Lovey Smith, of course, he's not going to show his hands. But at the same time, he he never denies the fact that come week one against the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans are going to start, if not all, a majority of their rookies. You're talking about Jalen Peacher. You're talking about Derek Stanley Jr. You're talking about Keon Green and Damian Pierce. 
Those are four rookies who could be starting for this organization come week one of the regular season, which lets me know that this is a chance for this organization could possibly put together possibly their best regime that we've ever seen. And that is very important because, John, I go back to, I look at what this organization has done in the past, especially the the, the biggest regime of them all, which was, of course, the Bill O'Brien era, where it didn't matter how talented a player was. If there was a rookie, it always seems like Bill O'Brien would just, dust that off oh he's a rookie he doesn't know what he's talking about he's not going to receive that much playing time i mean all we got to do is go back to the very first year of deshaun watson like everyone was expecting deshaun watson to be the starting quarterback come week one of the regular season and look who who you threw out there tom savage and within a year within a half everything changed but i say all that just to say it seems like this regime john listeners and viewers are putting their rookies in the best possible scenario to go out there on the field, showcase their talent, and to go out there on the field and learn from their mistakes early. So when we get to year two, when we get to year three, when we get to year four, those players are going to be in a better position and those players are actually going to reach their potential and be something special in this league. And that was very important to me to say because, John, last week we talked about Um, the possibility of Ross Blacklock not making his team. And within that conversation, we talked about Matt Sharpen, another guy who has a possibility of not making his team. We also talked about Lonnie Johnson Jr., a guy who has moved on from this organization. And to me, it seems like when I go back and I take a look at how Bill O'Brien treated those rookies, once again, it seemed like it didn't matter how talented the rookie was. It always seemed like he did not put too much into those rookies early on in their career, and it hurt them in the long run, and it also hurt this organization as well. Versus now, like I mentioned, week one of the regular season, Petrie, Stingley, Green, Pierce, all four of those guys could be starting for this organization and as you alluded to at some point in the season we'll be sitting here looking at chris harris starting for this organization i just feel good about this regime as of right now and i just wanted to point that out john listeners and viewers because once again as i mentioned ever since what february when lovey smith got hired it seemed like this organization is finally on the right track of doing something special and yes i understand you playing these rookies is not going to take you from four wins to 13 wins or whatever the case might be but like i mentioned because you are putting because you are putting so much in your rookies early on especially giving them the appropriate playing time it's going to help them in this organization in the long run and i also want to say that you know the texans have to you know under bill o'brien yeah deshaun was you know one of the guys that it was a head scratcher why he didn't start week one but you know now when you look at derrick stingley uh the the cornerback position the safety position the offensive line position the running back position all of these positions are positions that has been hurting for the houston texans Mm -hmm. they had great players at those positions and they hadn't had any sense and so it just so happens that each and each and every one of those positions come in the form of a rookie right now that could possibly be different than what 
Houston has seen before. I haven't thought of a safety that good for Houston um, since the first year of Justin Reed. How, how many seasons <laughs> ago was that? Um, uh, when you look at Kareem Jackson, like the, how, how long ago was that safety position interesting, worth talking about, with a player worth mentioning? So they're, they're stepping into positions like Derek Stingley where – is where J. Joe was years ago for this organization, the top cornerback mm-hmm. on his team. Damian Pierce, we're raving about him because we haven't seen a, a player at that position since Arian Foster, right? You know, we talked about Carlos Hyde, but that was one year. Damian Pierce looks like he is a part of the future, the next four to five seasons. And I think it's important that because those players that are rookies are stepping into a role for Houston that needs that boost, yeah, they need to play day one. But on top of all of that, each and every one of those players have earned the right to start day one for Houston. Locked on Texans listeners and viewers, Cody, you know what was one of the scariest thoughts throughout my entire wedding process? (laughs) What's that? Was if I lost the ring. Mm. Right? And you need insurance for that. And, guys, Brightco – they have the best jewelry and watch insurance. They are comprehensive. They're fast, affordable jewelry. Insurance is as low as $5 per month. Check out your offer for our Locked On listeners. Go ahead and get covered in under two minutes at brightco.com slash forward slash, excuse me, Locked On. That is brightco, B-R-I-T-E. Dot co forward slash locked on for the best jewelry and watch insurance. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Monday installment of Locked On Texans. As promised, our brother, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, what's going on, my guy? Welcome back to Locked On. <laughs> my man, Cody Davis, good to be with y'all, man. Always good to be on the Locked On Texans podcast. Uh, enjoying these last you know, a few days that we get until the, mm. the season starts because, you know, it's it's full go once September 11th come and the, and the NFL season starts, the Texas season in particular. So, yeah, man, just kind of enjoying the downtime until that, uh, you know, until that, until that real hit. By the way, Texans just sent the, sent the weekly schedule. How great was it to see that they only have one scheduled practice, which is a Thursday, if I'm not, not mistaken. We're going to speak to Lovey Smith later on today. They're off on tomorrow. We hear from Nick Casario Wednesday. That's practice Thursday, and then we get a whole three-day weekend because the week after that is gearing up for week one of the regular season. <laughs> hey, I, I, was, I was already good with it because I already knew <laughs> that the transition from – you know, training camp and preseason go from mm. covering the entire practice, you know, being able to be out there for the whole practice, two hours. And now it's just going to be limited time, even the practices that we go to. So, I mean, yeah. really, honestly, man, it was a kind of a privilege and a precious time to be able to watch that much of practice, even uh, even the parts that we weren't allowed to film or photograph or tweet about were even, I think, valuable for us to be able to watch because, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's going to be the case uh, or don't anticipate that being the case, you know, at any point this year until the next training camp. So (laughs) we've seen about as much of practice as we're going to see from the, from the Texans. So uh, I'm glad to have seen it and I'm glad to be graduating (laughs) to a, to a new point in the, uh, in the season of coverage. 
Yes, sir. So, of course, we got to talk about preseason. The Houston Texans win 3-0 in preseason on Thursday. They beat the San Francisco 49ers 17-0. Brandon, when you take a look at this preseason, you know, three, like I mentioned, 3-0, we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. What are some of the things that you liked that you saw throughout the preseason? What are some of the things that you did not like on that offensive side of the ball to start this off? Well, it's for let's go. Let's start with what we didn't like, and then work our way back to what we did. And mm-hmm. and, and I'm gonna say that, it, considering that I thought things looked a lot better in the third game, in the in the 49ers game, uh, we talked last week about some things that I wanted to see them do and establish, uh, like the physicality. I wanted to see Davis Mills be able to push the ball downfield a little bit more. I wanted to. You know, you want to just overall feel better about the offense because in those first two games of the preseason, you know, obviously that first unit didn't do anything in the first game. And then in the second game, as we discussed last week, they didn't do anything into that final drive of the, se- uh, of the second quarter, mm-hmm. the final drive of the first half. Um, and really, we're just talking about those final two throws because even there were even throws right before those two, like the two throws before the good throws <laughs> were bad. You know what I mean? And so uh, – so you wanted to see that improve or at least feel better about that by the end of the preseason. And I think, you know, it wasn't – I didn't feel like it was great necessarily or that there was anything that stood out to me like, wow, I can't believe that they're doing this. But uh, I felt better about uh, – you know, I felt better about the offense in the 49ers game. I mean, the story, Cody, the story of the preseason and the story certainly of that game, but of the preseason uh, period offensively, is Damian Pierce, you know, and I'm not I'm not breaking any news to anybody who watched the games and been following kind of the coverage and everything about it. You know, Damian Pierce has been a revelation. I like Damian Pierce as a pick when they picked him, and I thought, okay, this will be cool. This will be good to have as a you know just as a, as an option in the backfield, probably better than anything that you had last year. Hmm. But he he so far anyway, without overreacting to what we've seen in a couple of preseason games and some practices. He actually looks a lot better than I think I was even giving him credit for. And I was somebody who was high on him. So, uh, so I feel good about that. Uh, but, you know, I, I still think that there are some questions about uh, Davis Mills' consistency, uh, perhaps the, the ceiling or the limitations on his physical ability. Um, I, I've always said that the thing that I liked about Davis Mills was that he seemed to check all the boxes. He mm-hmm. seemed to have all of the requisite talent and skill and ability that you need to play in the NFL. But what does that, what does requisite get you? Like, is that just, does that just mean he'll have a job in the NFL for a long time or is what you're seeing the, the, the hallmarks of somebody that you can build your franchise around or somebody that, that you can hang your hat on as the quarterback of the future. And I have not seen that just, I just, just flat out. I mean, I think about, it was interesting going into that game, Cody against the 49ers, considering where they are in their life cycle, the quarterback haven't had Jimmy Garoppolo the last couple of years, several years, and now moving on to Trey Lance. And you think about that, you're like, man, Jimmy Garoppolo's an, an okay quarterback and, and hmm. has been successful with the 49ers, took him to the Super Bowl, took him to an NFC championship game. Uh, but it was his limitations that led them to move on or uh not just not just move on now but even you know last year when they picked trey lance the the idea of moving on knowing that hey we're only going so far 
with this guy, even though he's obviously a credible NFL quarterback, a credible NFL quarterback, just not going to be good enough for us. Yeah. You know, and so I'm looking at them and doing kind of the juxtaposition to where the Texans are nowhere near as talented as the 49ers in the long run or, or in, in the kind of in the grand scheme of things right now. Right. Like they don't have all of those kind of players and, and just haven't developed into that kind of team. But you figure, OK, what what happens when you do once, you know, God willing, Nick Asario finally does build this roster out and you do have talent across the board. Is somebody of Davis Mills skill set going to be good enough to get you over the hump? I don't think we have an answer to that question right now. And based off of what we've seen, to me, the answer will be trending toward no. So that's what I what I perhaps didn't like. I'm not uh, pretending like the book is written or, or like I can't be proven wrong about this throughout the course of the season. And I hope I am. But for now, that's what stands out to me uh, as far as not liking. But again, what we did like. Damian Pierce, the story of the preseason and the story of the training camp. And then, Cody, we mentioned this last week, too, of, of a few players that I wanted to watch. And, and since we're talking about offense, I mentioned this on the radio as well. Kenyon Green, someone mm-hmm. who I was a little bit worried about. Like, Yeah, me I too. Yeah, <laughs> I had to I mean, apologize. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, and, I, and again, I wasn't trying to overreact, but based off of what we had been given and what we had been seeing, man, I was worried. Mm-hmm. Me I was too. worried about Kenyon Green. Um, I'm not as worried anymore. I'm still worried about like, uh, you know, continued health, being able to stay healthy, um, you know, uh, conditioning and all of those things. But I do think those things will come. And, and I, I have grown to sort of accept the possibility that he is not even the possibility, but the likelihood, I should say, the likelihood that he's not a finished product as a rookie. And so if there's some bumps and bruises and some things to work around the edges to to kind of make him that guy eventually, then, you know, we'll, you know, you'll, you'll you'll eventually develop into that. But but for now, based off of what we saw in that uh, only preseason game of Kenyon Green, really got to feel good about uh, two rookies uh, on the offensive side of the ball in uh, in Damian Pierce and Kenyon Green. And even in the game before in, in L.A., uh, Tegan Quatoriano. Got him a uh, got him a little uh, touchdown reception and everything. So so uh, so things feel better than they did, let's say, at the beginning of the preseason and throughout camp. I, I feel good about where the Texans are on the offensive side of the ball. You know me, B. Scott. I am high on Davis Mills. However, I do have a little bit of a concern because I'm not seeing the Davis Mills that ended. Um, last season, and that's even throughout um, practice after I think it was week two of, of training camp. However, I also want I also go back to something, and, and you go attest to this as well because you be standing right there next to me in these press conferences to where we every time we say we want to see more from the Texans on the offensive side of the ball, Davis Mills, um, Lovey Smith, you have other players saying, well, you know, we, we haven't shown anything in our playbook yet throughout training camp and preseason. It's like they're working on all this secret stuff. And I'm when I take a look at the Texans offense, it's like I'm kind of holding out hope that their ability to push the ball downfield beyond what we saw throughout the um, preseason is going to be better because of what they are all, you know, secretly working on, on that offensive side of the ball. And like I say, Brandon, you could attest to this probably better, better more than I can, because you have heard that same thing too. Like 
on the offensive side of the ball, Pep Hamilton, Davis Mills, and all these other guys saying that they have not showcased their full offensive playbook as of yet. Yeah, but the thing that worries me about that is based off of what you have showcased, based, based off of what you have shown us, you've shown us that you have not mastered that. You know, like you, like, like the, the limited sample size, you know, if, if, the, if the limited and small amount of what you've shown us has not been impressive or has not made folks feel good about it. For me, it's like, what's to make me think that once you expand it and once you start doing these other things that you're going to look any better doing it? You know, mm -hmm. what's to make me think that that ball that uh, Davis Mills missed Jalen Camp on in the second preseason game or the one that he missed, maybe was it Chris Moore? There were there were several misses. Uh, the, the underthrow to uh nico collins that they end up getting a, a pass interference call on that ultimately becomes a positive play if you remember cody uh davis mills was, was open and honest about that being a throw he'd like to have yeah, back I remember. despite it being a successful and positive play for them he knew that he underthrew that ball and that you know going forward you can't necessarily rely on the defense messing up to the degree of a penalty um, and that's just another missed potentially missed opportunity for you uh, down the line. So, yeah, I, I would like to see them expand the playbook or just out of curiosity, from my standpoint, want to see what more uh, is to the offense. You know, it's Pep Hamilton's first year calling the plays for the Texans. We all want to mm -hmm. see more and, and as much of it as possible. But as far as feeling better about there being more, I got to feel good about what I'm seeing so far to feel better about what I'm going to see some more of. Like, I know that the more ain't going to look just like the less. You know what I'm saying? I know yeah. the difference. You know, so so that's, that's to me is kind of a still uh, proven. And again, man, we're, we got to do this thing, man, where we analyze this team and we're thorough and we follow in, but we're not mm. overreacting, right? So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to give a reel and say, hey, man, we ain't seen a whole lot. But there, you know, there is potential there, and there, more than anything, I think there's potential to grow over the course of the season once they kind of get their groove. So that's what you can kind of hope for, uh, despite it not being overly impressive in the preseason. Talking about not overreacting, I've been trying my hardest to keep my composure about this defense. 14 sacks in three games. The secondary finally looked like they're working with something, especially, by the way, Jalen Petra has been playing. You know, we haven't seen too much of Derek Stingley, but I like what I've been able to see out of Derek Stingley um, going back to his debut against the Los Angeles Rams. Um, and, I, and I mentioned this during our recap on Friday's show. Um, even though on the box score it didn't show it, Derek Stingley did not back down to um, the 49ers how the way they were just going at going after him. Um, this defense, the defensive line unit, everything about this defense is looking good. Brandon, before moving on, what are your thoughts about this defense as of right now? Yeah, man, we talked about this too, of me being uh, just a, a little cautiously optimistic, but not, you know, wanting to overreact kind of in the same vein of what you're saying of looking at the defense and saying, okay, like the defensive line, for example, I think that's what we really hit on last week. It was like, okay, they're deep, mm -hmm. but how good is that depth? And that was why Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, them having not played any of the preseason games prior to that last one, that was the reason why I really wanted to see what they were talking about. What that was because I felt good about that. But yeah, needed to, you know, needed to see it in a game. Needed to needed to feel better than good, I guess. 
Um, and I do, you know, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm right there with you in terms of, hey, the defense looks good. Um, I think that they, I'll put it to you this way. I think that they've upgraded at pass rusher significantly by bringing in Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, and Rasheen Green, who I, I've mentioned before, looks the part uh, physically. And then when you see him, like he's huge, and then you see him out there, he's beating dudes with speed. Like he's mm. blowing by cat. This big old dude that you're expecting to be like a bull rusher, you know, he'll get physical with you, but it'll just blow by you too. Um, and so I've been impressed with that. I think that they have upgraded at pass rusher um, significantly, especially compared to where they were at this point of the season. Um, mm-hmm. when we were still thinking that Charles Ominiki was going to be somebody that was going to have a heavy impact on the team or something like that. And he's a, you know, now a backup over in San Francisco. I think they upgraded there significantly. Uh, the linebacking group is, for the most part, from what we can see, basically the same until Christian Harris gets healthy. You know what I mean? Until Garrett Wallow gets healthy, and we see whatever that progression is like for Garrett Wallow from year one to year two, what his role ends up being once he's healthy fully, um, and then Christian Harris as well as a rookie. Once we see how he fits in, I think we'll have a better gauge for how much, you know, how much has the linebacking group actually improve but for now they're basically the same you know the the same cast of characters that you can expect to count on between uh christian kirksey comic gujia hill and uh and kevin uh pierre lewis so so that's that's basically the same i didn't ever have a huge um complaint about the linebacker play Uh, i thought it could have been better but i didn't think it was bad uh last year necessarily didn't have a problem with it Uh, but am excited about christian harris want to add just whenever, whenever that does come to fruition and we'll see when that is um and then i talked last week about the secondary uh specifically the, the safeties you know what i mean uh the the the, the jalen petrie jonathan owens tandem i am impressed with i feel really good about um may, might even feel best about so far and that could change you know throughout the course of the year maybe i feel better about the defensive line once they you know start showing out right mm-hmm. but for now it's the it's the safeties and and you go, Derek Stingley was somebody I was high on at LSU coming out of the draft. He still looks the part to me, looks different um, physically, um, athletically. They talk about him being a real inquisitive and smart dude who asks questions and picks up things fast. Uh, so you like to hear that. And then Steven Nelson's a dog too at, uh, as your second option. I think regardless of what Derek Stingley is in year one, like all the rookies, right? I was mentioning about Kenyon Green earlier in the show and talking about Derek Stingley now. There'll be some rookie bumps and there'll be some times where you kind of look at it and you're like, come on, rook, you know, that type of thing. But eventually we expect that to work out. Um, but right away, let's call Steven Nelson the number two cornerback. That's the best number two cornerback you've had in years. Hmm. Years. You know, so I, I'm with that. And that's not to overtalk Steven Nelson. That's just to say, that, hey, it's a much more solid group defensively uh, that you just got to feel a lot better about. Now, I still got questions about how good they're going to be exactly against the run mm-hmm. um, because, um, because until that plays out, you know, they've been so bad against the run. Same thing on offense. Like, the, like you feel better about Damian Pierce and you like what they did, the upgrades at the offensive line. You feel pretty good about their run game being better. But almost until you see it, it's kind of hard to believe because it's been bad for so long. Locked on listeners, I want to make sure I tell you guys about Prize Picks. 
pick up to two to five players, and if they'll go on to score more or less than their prize pick projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on an entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offer projections on any sport you watch. This includes NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, and many other sports. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. Download the Prize Pick app or go to prizepick.com to sign up and play fantasy daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Pick will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Monday installment of Locked On Texans, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Depending on when you hear this podcast, watch this podcast, we will we should start to hear reports coming from Aaron Wilson, Brooks Cabina, DJ, Jonathan, Brandon, myself, John. Pretty soon we're gonna be rolling out names of players who will not be a part of this 53-man roster in the next couple of hours, let's just say the least. Um Brandon. Throughout training camp, throughout preseason, of course, trying to project how this Houston Texans 53-man roster is going to shape out. Who are some of the guys that you are looking at who you feel is going to be on a bubble? Guys that you don't really see being a part of the 53-man, but you could see them probably being somewhere in the background, being a part of the practice squad. And, of course, the biggest name everybody is holding their breath on is, of course, Ross Blacklock. So what are your thoughts about this 53-man roster and how you think it's going to shape out? Yeah, man, I think that the Ross Blacklock one is is the one to pay attention to. Um, I don't think he's going to make the 53-man. Uh, at, at this point, I remember going, going into training camp, I was talking about him as being a bubble guy, somebody that might not make that. it, not really being sure. That was one of the things I was watching out for from the beginning, and I and I mentioned even just before I really knew anything about Kurt Heinish and what his impact was going to be, but I was just saying, man, last year, in his second year, a rookie in Roy Lopez, a six-round rookie, uh, passed him up on the depth chart and became a starter. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody who um, you could argue has less physical tools than Ross Blacklock, uh, but has the, the the technique and the understanding and sort of a kind of a will to fight uh, as well. Like there's kind of this grit about Roy Lopez. And I was like, man, if there's another dude like that, if there's one other dude like that, and, and then he's in trouble. And the one I was thinking about at the time was Thomas Booker. Like, man, how good is he? Mm-hmm. If, if, if he's that guy, then – Ross Blacklock might not have a place on this team. That's just me thinking about Thomas Booker. I didn't even think about Heinish uh, until uh, 
training camp and the preseason started to play out, and I'm like, oh, man, there might be two dudes that they might be more interested in. And, and remember, uh, sometimes too much is made of this, but I do think that there's something to it that Ross Blacklock was drafted by a different general manager. He was drafted by mm-hmm. a different uh, leadership group for the Texans and not Nick Casario. And so who's to say and who's to know what Nick Casario's evaluation ever was of Ross Blacklock? Like, I, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to go into the Patriots draft room or take a look at their draft board and see where they would have had Ross Blacklock. Like if they would have been picking 40th, if that's somebody that they would have taken, what was their eval hmm. on him? You know? Um, yeah. So like, that's just something to think about. I think he's kind of the main one of the, like of the names that people probably know and care about or might have some investment in. I think the three to watch. And I think two of them are not going to make the team, but the three to watch are, I'll say Ross Blacklock, Eric Murray at safety, and and Charlie Heck. Now, Charlie Heck, I think, is going to make the team. Okay, I do think Charlie Heck is going to make the team. But I do think that there's a little bit of a, uh, not log jam, but some competition there for who is your swing tackle or your backup tackles exactly, if that's going to be Charlie Heck. And he, he, like Ross Blacklock, also uh, not drafted by – this leadership group like you think about it, everybody that wasn't here <laughs> that was that was here two two seasons ago are um, gone. <laughs> they, they are they are either gone or if they're not a standout player or somebody mm-hmm. that's that's like clearly and obviously useful then they're on their way out they're either gone or, or on their way out and so both and so those are the three names that i just came up with like those are all guys that were brought in for the 2020 season i'm pretty sure eric murray's first year here was 2020 if i'm not mistaken but nevertheless he's a 2020 guy you know he's mm-hmm. a he's of that regime um and these were players that were you know somewhat valued by by that regime but if not necessarily stood out um jonathan owens has taken over that other story to safety spot instead of eric murray who they once liked because they wanted to have him play slot corner and safety and thought he could just do everything um, and, and and does have some versatility, but doesn't do anything particularly at an elite level to where you feel like you got to have this dude on your roster. So so those are the three names of guys who are, let's call them holdovers from the previous regime who haven't been like highly productive, even though I do think Charlie Heck has done some good things at times and was never expected to be like, you know, I was like, I think always was expected to be kind of a swing tackle, someone who could start for you in a pinch. So I'm interested to see how that plays out exactly. Um, and, you know, all, and also what they do with, uh, you know, at edge rusher, I think, uh, like, how many of these guys are they going to keep exactly? You know, as, as I'm trying to work through this 53 man, I'm still kind of working through it. Uh, as we record this, uh, obviously, by the time a lot of people hear this, <laughs> I will have obviously worked through mine and the Texans will have worked through theirs. Uh, <laughs> but but you think about uh, the different guys that they got between, obviously, Grenard and Hughes and Addison. Okoronkwo. But then you think about Okoronkwo, who suffered an injury and we didn't get to see him in the last game. But that's another person whose name has kind of died down a little bit. But I think that they're high on and want to be on the team. Hmm. To me, he's going to be oddly enough that you know that that speaks to how much they upgraded though at that position. 
Exactly. Because if, if a dude like Okoronkwo can be a bubble guy, man, I hope he makes the team, and I think he will. But if he can be kind of even considered a bubble guy on, on this team, uh, which I don't think we would have thought going in, uh, <laughs> that means that they did some pretty good things there. So uh, so my, my main three, as I still continue to work out my 53-man roster, the main three guys who I'm wondering and questioning, hmm, are these guys still going to be on the team? How, how long are they for the team? It's Ross Blacklock, it's Eric Murray, and it's uh, it's Charlie Hatt. Brandon, really quick before closing out this latest installment, me and John opened up the show, show just having a conversation about this regime. And yes, I understand it's early. We're not going to fully grade the first year of this new regime until we get, what, halfway through this upcoming season. However, and once again, you could attest to this too because you'd be standing there right next to me. You know, ever since they hired or Lovey Smith fell into the lap of the Texans as head coach, it just seemed like everything about this organization is finally on the right track. And when me and John was talking, I told John that I feel very confident in this regime because even something as small or as big, depending on how you look at it, is the fact that I like that this regime is giving their rookies the opportunity to go out there and not just play but to go out there and learn from their mistakes and that's going to be very beneficial in their career in year two and year three and year four and when i when i was standing there you know listening to lovey smith talk about pierce talk about stingley talk about green talk about um um petri you know come week one of the regular season there's a possibility that we can have four rookies starting in comparison to the, to, to the last regime and Bill O'Brien to where it didn't matter if you was Deshaun Watson or you was the last pick of, of the draft, you know, he really didn't want to play rookies. And I'm looking at this from a standpoint, you know, I like the fact that this regime is putting a lot into their rookies early. And me personally, I, I, I just feel a lot more confident in this in this regime now than I did at the beginning, let's say in February when Lovey Smith took over. Because look, I mean, yeah, even though he's gone and I know people don't like to say his name, let's be real. Week one, what was that, 2017? There was no reason for Bill O'Brien to put Tom Savage over Deshaun Watson. Come on now. No, it's ridiculous. Uh, it's ridiculous. I'll never defend it. Um, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Um, but but once again, you was there, and you was there before I was. To when you used to hear Bill O'Brien, you 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 talk about these rookies and talk about playing time, and he'll just shove it off to the side. And I really do think when you hear guys like Blacklock, guys like Lonnie Johnson, hell, even guys like um, uh, Kiki QT, like I really do believe that the fact that that regime really didn't put a lot into their rookies early is the reason why a lot of these guys. They're trying to – it's, like, hard for them to find a job now. And, of course, their career here didn't really do much. Yeah, so I, I didn't like the tone of of how rookies were talked about in the past, but mm -hmm. I do I do think it's fair to provide some context to it. I, I think part of it was disingenuous, to be honest. Like, I don't know yeah. – I don't know how really serious Bill O'Brien was about that as opposed to just trying to – present this kind of tough guy we're not going to hand the rook we're not going to anoint the rookies before they've done anything in the league we're not going to say that the rookies are better than they've proven themselves to be 
given that they have not done anything in the league. I think it was some there was something about Bill O'Brien that was trying to be like an, an old school sort of like you know trying to try, you know try to be hard about like again not prematurely anointing rookies um, and mm-hmm. trying to basically trying to humble them and and even humble our expectations and ideas of what the rookies were going to be. I thought that was part of it. Um, to the other degree to where it was true and was genuine, I thought that it was partly reflective of the fact that they didn't necessarily draft well, especially when when, <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. Uh, when when Bill O'Brien was in charge. Like, talk about rookies not knowing anything or rookies not being any good. Well, maybe that's just the rookies that you go out and get. You know what I mean? Mm, uh, yeah. Like, 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 like that, that, like that, to, that to me, that can't be lost on me either that, you know, the Titus Howard is working out. But like that was I mean, them guys drafted uh, Max Sharpen and and and, uh, and Lonnie Johnson in the second round, uh, mm-hmm. essentially essentially back to back, and you know neither of them has been has been able to be a viable starter past Sharpen's rookie year. Um, he's never been a like he's regressed for the most part. Um, Lonnie never realized whatever potential we thought he had. Um, you know, so so I think that was part of it. Uh, now, switching over to this regime that we're talking about now, I think that they saw last year what it looked like when you got a team full of veterans and five rookies. You know, when, you're, <laughs> when your draft class is just five guys and you just got a bunch of, I hate to say it, you know, sound disrespectful to those guys that was out there doing the best that they could, but that was a bunch of has-beens, they ha- has-beens retreads, and rejects that they had out there last mm-hmm. year. For the most part, let's just keep it real and say what it was. Um, and then so your young talent, okay, this team wasn't ever gonna get good without an infusion of young talent. And so fast forward to now, they gotta rely on the rookies, like sink or swim. You know, they the rookies and second year guys, you know, like they they need those guys to be good, whether it's guys that they drafted, you know, like uh like a like like a uh Davis Mills and uh, Nico Collins and guys like that, or if it's guys that they that, that went undrafted, like a, a Kurt Heinish that we're talking about, um, or or the tight end Seth Seth uh, Seth man, Green Seth Green from U of H, hmm. um, like they're thin at tight end. Here's an opportunity for an undrafted. If you're an undrafted tight end, like I'm looking at this group, like no disrespect, but I'm, I'm gonna go get it. Now, you know what I mean? I'm gonna find I'm, I'm gonna find me a spot on this team. I'm gonna start making plays. You know, like they're in a position to now now that they've torn the whole thing down, um, they're in the in the in the stage of their rebuild where they have to rely on young players. They they don't have any other choice. Um, so so I don't want to give them too much credit for uh, for for embracing the young talent because I don't feel like they have uh, much other choice. But I will give them credit for seemingly drafting well drafting talented guys and seemingly coaching them up well which is really all you can ask for like like if bill o'brien talked like that but was actually coaching them rookies up in the background and making them ready to play so where you look up and they are ready and and rookies do know something and rookies can play that's just him talking for the cameras and being Hmm. you know doing some kind of shtick for the cameras that would have been fine with me whatever do your thing you know I, i mean i might not like it necessarily but Get the the rookies don't know anything. Teach them. The rookies ain't ready to play. Get them ready. That's you the coach. 
You know what I'm saying? So it's like you telling me that the guy that y'all drafted ain't ready. What you doing? You know, because that's I mean, that's one thing that's not our job. Right. As yeah. media. We report. We analyze. We prognosticate. We'd be right. We'd be wrong. Whatever. But it ain't our job to get these guys like like, OK, so you, you, you telling us that the rookies ain't ready. Get them ready. So I, I, I can at least appreciate that they draft these guys and they go in and do their jobs and develop. Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on social media and be tell them, be sure to tell them about the B Block Podcast. At Brandon K. Scott on Twitter. Make sure y'all are following me and the B Block Podcast once a week. Uh, we're gonna be doing some more things uh pretty special too with Odyssey if y'all uh if y'all keep following, but y'all have to stay tuned for that. Uh also once a week, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Central Time. I am mm-hmm. on In the Loop for about a half an hour, uh, 11 a.m. Central Time. So y'all check us out on In the Loop on Sports Radio 610. That's every Thursday in season, off season, whatever it may be. Um, and Labor Day as well. I just got news that I'm going to be filling in for Ron the Show Hughley on Labor Day. So check out Sports Radio 610 from 2 to 6 on Labor Day as well. If you're in the car, got your <laughs> app, or you're not, whatever it is, uh, if you got some free time to spare uh, to you know to listen to what we got going on. So yeah, B Block Podcast every week. You can get that anywhere that you get your podcast and at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter to find the latest on basically everything we got going on. Yes, sir. Congratulations, my guy. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And be sure to also follow my co-host, John Hickman at John underscore Hickman 12. That is John underscore Hickman 12. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.